Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded usually at the PW offices in New York City, but we're all a little bit spread out today. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. Please check us out on Twitter at, at PWComicsWorld. And uh, my name is Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr on PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to, Tune, More to Come on iTunes uh, and on social media, specifically Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash PW Comics World. Okay, this week on More to Come, Rebirth, Captain America, Marvel Now, Hellboy, among other things. Uh, we're also going to take a look at uh, Louise Simonson, uh, Comixology Unlimited, and uh, then we'll switch to the news briefs. So, oh, okay, big new, you know, uh, <laughs> comics... You know, revamps, relaunches. We we talked about this before. Everything rebirth. Old, I know that's all we ever talk about is relaunches and rebirth. That is the nature of comics After publishing these days in the mainstream. Yeah. Let's shall we start with rebirth? Uh, I mean, the beat had. Uh, I, I have to admit, uh, you know, look, I get a little lost. I'm an old fart fan. I get a little lost, but uh, the beat I thought had quite a comprehensive um, uh, embrace. Uh, analysis, examination of rebirth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and we, everything we, it implies. Yes, yes, we 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 have that, and uh, you know, it's controversial. Uh, obviously, Marv DC's been going through some tough times sales wise. Things weren't working with DCU, so they decided to bring the hope back. Uh, rebirth itself is an eighty-page ad-free special, uh, written by Jeff Johns, art by. Um, See Phil Jimenez, uh, Ivan Rice, uh, a bunch of people, uh, right? Keith yeah. Fitzgiver, yeah, and and Gary Frank, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some really top notch artists. That, as I said in my review, I think it can be looked at on two different levels. First off, it's a story about um, Wally West trying to bring together all the different strains of the of the DCU, but then he finds out that after uh, Flashpoint, which was the the event that ushered in the new 52 five years ago right. that somehow or other all the characters had lost 10 years of their lives but, but yes. how to who? the love had left the the magic was gone and who did it who who yes <laughs> well i mean this is this is goes hard to one of these complaints that these relationships were s- somehow lost in that uh, initial uh, yes exactly revamp. So you can either read it as a story about how, indeed, in the books that the uh, that these you know a lot of things were set aside and restarted, uh, and then in the book it turns out that uh, you know this is a spoiler, but it's been everywhere in every headline that uh, you know Doctor Manhattan is to blame. For- he stole ten yes. years. Yes, yeah, he, he stole. Yeah, he stole ten years. Or you could read this as a gigantic uh, allegory of uh, the real life behind the scenes of DC Comics. Yes, that now that's what I found fascinating. Time. And I have to admit, I have not read it as yet. Uh, I've sort of dabbled in some of the single issues, but I haven't read uh, Johns's magnum opus. But really, is this a, a, a meta work about the editorial uh, chaos at DC? <laughs> well, you could certainly interpret it along those uh, lines. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? You know, I'll, I'll throw this in here that Kate and I both had a chance to spend some off-the-record time with Jeff Johns recently. 
uh, talking about rebirth with him. But uh, I mean, the conversation was was definitely off the record. But, yes, uh, but I think know, we can talk about uh, we can certainly talk about our reactions to the our story. reactions. Yes, and, and so aspects on, yeah. that were not so off the record. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was the day before it officially came out, and uh, Heidi had a very special embargoed copy for me, and. Uh, Jeff Johns was very thrilled to have fans um, reading it in front of him. Uh, but I kind of uh, got caught up emotionally, as I think I was supposed to do. <laughs> and I kind of forgot he was sitting there. And I reached the Dr. Manhattan reveal, and I did throw it down on the table and go, What? <laughs> I think I also might have said, I, I, also think I, I think I also might have said, Really? Yeah, you might have also. I think you might have also gone. If it was a word balloon, it might have been gah, like yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 may, I may have made a sound effect. Yeah, you may have said gah. Uh, but but, dear listeners, it was not that I necessarily agree. I mean, disagree with the existence of of rebirth or or this particular way of reshuffling the comics. I actually have a lot of hope for it, but I just felt that that reveal was kind of like, eh. Right, uh, but, uh, that's right. But, but do you feel? But I, I mean, do you? Okay, now that you've had a chance to read it a little bit more at your leisure, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's an allegory? Uh, is well, it a I mean, symbolic? I think, or I think it's a number of things. I think it was an excuse for a lot of very touching, cathartic moments, which were indeed very touching and cathartic. If you remember these characters and their history, and you wanted them to like love each other and be happy, you know, it was a very heartwarming kind of thing. Um, I definitely think that it was an allegory. I don't know necessarily that it was supposed to be an allegory for a specific person, although it could have been, or if it was just an allegory for a certain attitude, which is common. Right. Um, I don't know, you know, you can, you, that can definitely be argued, but I do believe it was, it was clearly an allegory for, at the very least, the state of a certain attitude toward comics and how it has influenced DC Comics. I right. think that's fair to say. Even if it was not personal, although it could have been. Yeah, exactly. And I, yes, I, I mean, I think whether you think it's a direct allegory or whether the story was just about Wally West uh, wandering through different realities, um, uh, I feel that, um, uh, you know, it definitely did reflect on where we've been. And it tried to reset the clock. Now, you know, I, I said, as I said, you know, I'm not the person that's aimed at. I am not a DCU continuity fan. Uh, you know, I am not an expert on it. I could only read it as a comic. I thought the comic itself was very well done. I thought Watchmen, anytime you use that, I, I find that very problematic and upsetting. Uh, the way it was done was fairly tasteful, I will say that. Um, however... Uh, it does say, I think it says right on the first page, you know, if you haven't already read Rebirth Justice League, go read that first. And go read uh, Rebirth Superman, go read that first. And then, like, this week, uh, it's also, I know uh, Rebirth Batman is out, which I haven't read, but uh, it's gotten pretty good reviews. But, you know, it's like, you I've have read to have read, yeah, you have to read this to have, understand that. And, you know, I, a, a lot of people are saying it's not very new reader friendly. So, well, actually, I mean, that's a mistake. Actually, having read it, I would, I would disagree. Okay. Uh, I think that it made sense on its own and it was a standalone. And while DC would really love you to read these other comics, you don't need to. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 like, it's like Amazon being like, if you like this, you'll like that. But do right. you really need to like 
by uh, Justice League to enjoy Rebirth? No. Um, I think, frankly, as a DC fan, as someone who didn't love every single aspect of the New 52, although I liked some parts, um, on one hand, like, I was very like psyched about the like heartwarming moments and the like hey maybe we're going to open the door to tweak things bit and but i would say that overall it felt like a giant bottle of hand wavium like (laughs) even by comic standards it didn't make a whole lot of sense uh but it seemed to be like going in a direction i wanted it to go so i kind of shrugged and went okay then um because (laughs) You know, a comic that doesn't make much sense that is kind of touching and may lead to good comics is, I mean, sure, fine, whatever. Right. I don't think I'm going to enshrine it on my shelf. I don't think, like, a year from now I'm going to really remember what happened in it. Um, But I think it was well enough done. And, and, you know, as far as, like, a way of introducing a bunch of new changes, I think it was fine. Now, are you going to uh, are you going to delve into some of the rebirth titles? Uh, you know well, themselves. I'm going to delve into all the ones that have characters who I'm interested in, because right. I am very psyched to see those characters rebooted. But like, I was never interested in the entire DC universe, so I don't see why that would change. Like, uh, you know, if I'm not super into like yeah. cyborg or something, like a new cyborg comic chances are, like, unless someone's like, I think you'll like it, like, why would I bother? But any title that's got a character that I like, that maybe I've put down for a while because I wasn't liking that run, like, maybe I'll take a look. For example, I'll be interested to see whether, well, see what direction they're taking Superman, for example. Um, not sure how I feel about Wonder Woman having a brother, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, isn't his Woman father a... dark side or something? I don't or... know. Whatever. Like, well, I mean, dark side is a baby, but that's been revealed before also. Yeah, yeah. you know, if... if diaper side. Sure. If Wonder Woman has a brother, okay, sure, fine, whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't bring myself to get too upset about it. Well, um, once again, I'm going to be the um, clueless uh, comics senior citizen. Um, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm perpetually amazed at how little I know about the comics that, uh, and the characters these days that, you know, really brought me into reading comics in mm. the first place. Uh, I, 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 I feel like Rip Van Winkle, even oh. though I ostensibly, you know, write about this stuff to make a living. Um, so many of the comics, I mean, I did read, uh, the, the Batman Rebirth and I, I tell you, there's precious little in it that I even understand. Yeah. I, I would say my guess from just the Rebirth titles that I've looked at is that um, if you want to be a new reader jumping on point, I'm not sure number one is a good place. Yeah. I think but I will say two. this. I uh, was curious. I was curious about all of the relationships and the new characters, you know, none of which, uh, you know, some of which I'm vaguely sort of kind of familiar with from reading. Um you know, stuff online, not so much actually reading the comics. Um, so I, 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 in some ways I'm saying that not purely as a criticism. I understand comics in the sense that you got to, you know, look, let's face it. If you want to be a comics fan, a superhero comics fan, you got to put the work in. Well, you got to know the characters. You just do. Well, and that's I mean, it. I mean, I think they, they, they give lip service to bringing new readers in. But at the end of the day, you got to put some work in. Well, I mean, I think it all depends on what level. Like, I feel like it should be something that if you pick up a comic, 
you get some idea of who this person is. And if you want to get into it any deeper, then you have to like maybe get yeah. up a bit. You got to uh, do some work. But, you know, sometimes that's not apparent even who they are when you pick up a comic and at that point Listen, that's good. When I but, was a kid, but, but you picked up the Marvel comics and on the inside it said Born children of the Atom, scorned by the world they are pledged to protect. The X-Men must struggle against their mutant hatred. And you knew exactly what was going on right away. So what is so hard to do with that? Well, well a, I, I, I would thing. agree. But, you know, and when I was a, a younger man, I mean, the comics just didn't change so radically so quickly. Um, I mean, look, we, we talked about this on other shows. I mean, we're going through these like changes now every year and a half. Well, I, I will say um, something that I that um, I don't think was off the record. Heidi, tell me if I should delete this, uh, that Jeff Johns expressed his his love for all canon and wanting to embrace basically everything. And like all the relationships, both of the older versions, newer versions, whatever, giving like a big grab bag of like all the relationships and characters you could possibly want. Well, I think that is he's gone on the record as talking about that. So, okay. you know, but uh, I mean, he certainly and, said in all his and, interviews and, yeah. that that's what he was going well, that, for with this. That so would seem to be come obvious. out. That would seem to be the case in what uh, you guys have talked about so far. Yeah. And he's, he's reaching all across the whole DC universe to bring, essentially to bring it back together in some way. Yeah, I think, I, and, and so I don't think any of the relationships that have been or things that have happened in the last five years since they started New 52 is going to be erased so much as it's going to have, they're just going to put like old, infor- old canon and new canon together in a blender yeah. and be like, all the bits you like, we're keeping them. Well, you know, here's the thing. It's like, I mean, to me, again, I'm not invested in the characters. So mm-hmm. you cannot, uh, so that, you, you you know, you can't step back for me from the fact that, uh, you know, DC Comics is having a sales slump. And, yeah, you know, that's well, what, you're this, right. that's uh, what you're, this is all about. Uh, well, well, of course. It, it is about uh, it. But can, I th- can, I, can I finish okay. my thought, please? Uh, because, uh, you know, so this is a very important thing to it. Uh, you know, Rebirth, the special, has been a big hit. The first uh, edition of it is an 80-page giant. Uh, it was only priced at $2.99. Uh, it's already gone to a third printing, both of which will be priced at $5.99. Um, I was just at a comic shop today. It's already sold out. You know, so this is it's doing quite well. Hey, this is what um, they want. This is what they want. You know, so let's see. I'm sure that this will see an uptick for a lot of books. And, uh, you know, I will say some of the interiors that I've seen of the books that are coming out, um, you know, I was a little concerned that this would kind of continue the the kind of house style, uh, um, you know, the house style about uh, that DC has. And, um, and I, you know, a lot of the books have a, a pretty different look. I think there are a lot more art. There's a lot more diversity in the art, I think, than, than we're giving it credit for originally. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, it's a wait and see on, on that level. But, uh, you know, I have to point out, this was very much, and again, this is, you know, something that's been talked about in all the interviews uh, pretty openly. You know, this this rebirth idea was very much Jeff John's vision, his baby, okay? Now, one thing we haven't even mentioned here is that while this was all launching, uh, John's has been named to a new position as co-head of DC Films, which is a new division uh, at Warner Brothers. They kind of divided the studio up into three different uh 
sections. Uh, one is DC, one is uh, Lego and Harry Potter, and the third is things that aren't DC, Lego, or Harry Potter. So, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, John's going to be very much overseeing, uh, you know, helping out with the films, and you know, where does this? This is a whole another discussion we could have about Zack Snyder and. Uh, ben Affleck and you know other people coming and going and yada 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 but the point is he's going to be very busy he's not going to be around <laughs> he's not going to be the guy necessarily saying uh, you know how some of this stuff is uh, going to go and I and I think it's also fair let's get this out there I think it's fair to say that, you know again this is not a secret that that uh, you know Jeff Johns and Dan Dio have had a lot of disagreements about a lot of story outlines and, uh, you know, for better or worse, Dan DiDio is, is still really the, the co-publisher of DC Comics. So, you know, there's a, a lot more to come on all of this. Well, of course there is. And, of course, in comics, nothing is permanent. More on that later. Um, but I feel like still, on one hand, like they did specifically go to Jeff Johns and ask for his vision for this reboot. So, like, somebody was actually looking for it, at least. And right. secondly... Um, you know, I don't think necessarily, I mean, you know, we cynically talk about things for sales, like that was a bad thing, but in the end of the day, sales are a proxy for reader interest. Right. And it's maybe not always a bad thing to look at flagging interest among your readers and say, okay, uh, what should we change to make it something you want to buy? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And DCU was a failure for a lot of different reasons, but it definitely was a failure. Sales slumped, and you know they're trying to perk things up. Uh, right. So, and, yeah. and obviously, it already you know it's already working. How long will it take? We don't know. Yeah. That, and, and this I, is a good point, Heidi, because I mean we, we we can't you know as much as we love all these characters, these things are published for a reason, and that's to sell books. Mm. Well, all yeah. books have to sell yes. books if they're well. Yes, but but books. the comics industry has a very different, you know. They, I mean, really, it's it's interesting how I mean the relationship between the fans. I mean, I, I suppose you could compare it. Uh, no disrespect intended to anyone, but to the romance publishing and that, like, I mean, there's a there's a bond between the publishing and the fans that's so close um that it's it's not like other areas of publishing in some ways well yeah it's it's a small world and <laughs> um comics companies have encouraged that deep connected bond with the fan yes. base and so that that does affect the dynamics i mean it's it's inescapable it is baked into comic book fandom yes, and the comic absolutely. Book world it's absolutely. not going anywhere and it's absolutely. become even more pronounced in the internet era well i right. think i think in the internet era it's more that everybody can hear each other. Yes. Because yeah. once well, upon a time, these same discussions were taking place, but they were taking place in comic book shops across the country, and yeah. if you weren't there, you didn't hear it. And yeah. now or, or everybody's having it together in the same place. Well, now, yeah. I think that's a good time to segue to our next topic, which yes. is at the same time that uh, DC was launching Rebirth, you know, Marvel was countering uh, with their own shocking, uh, you know, huh. stunning plot twist. Uh, in uh, the first issue of Steve Rogers, Captain America, number one. And by the way, this yes, is not, this is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, what? 
I said oh. whoop de freaking do. Uh, no, my not. opinion of the <laughs> We're plot break, twist. Breaking, breaking up. But, okay, uh, what? Well, well, let me, you know, I, I don't have the physical copy of this, but I do have a PDF of it. And I, I want to tell you, on the inside front cover, it says, while fighting his way through S.H.I.E.L.D.'s reality-bending small-town superprison, Pleasant Hill, an aged and depowered Steve Rogers returned to fighting for him by a sentient cosmic cube named Kobik. Sam Wilson, the current Captain America, offered to share the title with, and with the Red Skull, Baron Zemo, and Kobik, all still at large after the collapse of President hill the world needs two captain americas more than ever see i am all caught up Thank you. <laughs> there you go I need to know right there. one paragraph so i think marvel you know wins anyway so you know what and also so basically they this, win an explanatory paragraph they certainly yes. do yes. uh but also so guess what in this story it is revealed that steve rogers mother was actually a recruit to hydra and on the last page captain america says hail hydra and the storyline is that steve rogers has always actually been working for hydra all these years now I haven't actually read this whole comic. I've only been following it. But just reading this whole thing, actually, and I've been reading about the other thing. Uh, it makes me pretty, want to throw up. Well, it, it's pretty much <laughs> pretty clear here that these are false planted memories by this Kobik or whoever. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear in the story. You know, anyone who thinks Captain America is going to stay evil and a member of HYDRA, uh, you know. I don't think that's the actual complaint. Right. Yeah, I okay. don't either. I don't right. either, because I, I don't believe that that's going to stay. Right, okay. Yeah. What I believe, and, yes. I, and this is just the old fart fan, fan speaking, uh, I just believe it's an unbelievably cheap, uh, desperate, uh, and unnecessary attempt to grab a few extra sales. Now, I will say also that that's naive on my part. I know why they're doing it. Uh, I, I understand perfectly why they're doing it. My gut reaction was that, I was, that it made me sick to my stomach. Well, I don't, I, I, I don't think And that's what they wanted. <laughs> I don't think that saying something is a cheap sales grab is naive. Uh, that would be pretty much the opposite of a naive. Uh, well, I but I mean, in the sense that, you know, I even went on the beat to sort of like just leave, uh, you know, because I needed a message board when I saw this. To right. just you're register. To let, your, to let your feelings be known, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now, afterwards, I, my feeling was, oh, you know, just relax, dude. I mean, this is going to go away. This too shall pass. Yeah, um, uh, but, yeah, okay. I will say, I, my, my initial... It's a measure of the character's impact. Yeah, my initial response was, uh, I'll read it to you. Here is a post that I reblogged on my personal journal uh, that somebody else created. Marvel says... Captain America is Hydra. Me. I recognize that the council has made a decision, but given that it is a stupid-ass decision, <laughs> I have elected to ignore it. And I reblogged that with the hashtag mic drop. Right. Um, I, I mean, frankly, yeah. Is it going to go away? Probably. Although it may leave some, like, messy plot threads of stupid. I mean, I just think it's a dumb and kind of moderately offensive storyline that I wouldn't want to buy. Like, and I, here's the thing. Well, let me, let me ask you this, though. Were you offended when Dr. Octopus became Spider-Man? No, it's a different no, thing. Not, no, no, no. Well, once again, it's, okay, it's, it's one thing to no. have a bad character pretend well, to be good. It's another yeah. thing to see. The thing is that Marvel has spent literally spent 60 years making Captain America the moral arbiter of the Marvel Universe. And so, yeah, saying that he was Hydra all along, even if everybody knows it's just a plot twist and will go away, 
is a stupid and um, annoying plot twist. It's just, it's intellectually insulting, it's emotionally manipulative, it's just kind of gross. And <laughs> it's at the exact same time that they're having a huge, and of course, of course, it's not going to end in one issue. No, 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 no. They want this to be a huge multimedia phenomenon. Um, at the exact same time that they're pushing, the Captain America movie just came out, they're pushing Captain America toys and movies at the entire mainstream public, including little kids. Right. And well, there so, is a, you of know, course, there is, feelings there, will be at a high. There is a, uh, a you know, a lunatic fringe of the internet that feels like this is Ike Perlmutter's revenge at the MCU, by the I, way. <laughs> uh, it, it could be. I would not call that a limited <clears throat> lunatic Well, you fringe. know, one of the problems I had, uh, and which what calmed me down, and I'd be curious to know what you guys think, <clears throat> Uh, was that, you know, I started to see stuff about, uh, well, this is anti-Semitism, uh, that, you know, you can, you know it's insulting to be using Nazi symbolism with Cap, uh, you know, he's created by a Jewish artist. Now, that kind of made me, like, slow down a little bit, which I sort of think it's a little bit off the wall. I understand people have very strong feelings about this, but um, that sort of made me think, wait a minute, I'm... I'm objecting to what I thought is a cheap grab for this classic hero, uh, a cheap grab at a few extra sales for this classic hero, not that there is some fundamental moral turpitude involved here at all. Well, uh, this is a fictional Nazi, you know, spinoff. Okay. So by, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Before that's, I, wait, wait. that's maneuvered through the culture. And I mean, Nazi cinema is used throughout the, throughout the culture in various uh, cheap ways. And, you know, and I find sometimes people are inconsistent in objecting to it. Right. Well, let me let me jump in here. And, you know, Kate, I know you disagree, so I, I want to get to what you, your your disagreements are, but I would like to jump in here with a couple things, okay? So, you know, I wake up to this and I see this going on and, you know, people think it's a stupid storyline. Yeah, you know, people hated, uh, you know, One More Day and, you know, Spidey yeah. is dead. Yeah, they hated it when Superman died. They hated it when Green Lantern went evil. They hated it, blah, blah, blah. But this is part of being a comic book fan in this uh, day and age. Yeah. Okay, uh, you know, then this anti-Semitism thing came, and, uh, you know, look, people were offended by it, of course, that is, uh, you know, I validate their feelings, that is fine, um, you know, I do not, uh, you know, the relation, there is nothing about anti-Semitism in this issue, okay, like, yeah, Hydra, Hydra is a, uh, Hydra and the actual real Nazi party are not always conflated, the movies and the comics have two different aspects towards them. Hydra is, of course, sometimes a stand-in for evil, horrible groups that want yeah. to kill people. But it is not Nazis, all right? Yeah, right. Uh, it is not the Nazi party. It is an evil group. So, yes, Cap yeah. is evil. No question about that. Uh, you know, I'd like to read a uh, – let's see if I can find this here. I have been collecting uh, – okay, this is something that Tim Holder wrote on the Comics Journal – uh, this whole Captain America thing has been a clarifying moment. Could this be the stupidest comics controversy yet? Not that the people complaining don't have a certain point. Uh, saying it's true that the new storyline trivializes real-world problems, such as white supremacists, fascist paramilitary groups, and anti-Semitism. But that criticism holds for any story featuring Hydra, regardless of whether or not Captain America is a secret member. Once you go that far, pretty much every colorfully costumed supervillain trivializes terroristic violence and every superhero is a travesty on vigilante justice and or the police state. Um, this is me speaking now. You know, in the new X-Men movie, they show Magneto at um, Auschwitz. You know, there's a fight scene at Auschwitz. 
Uh, you know, I haven't heard uh, a lot that's of that's unfortunate, but yeah, yeah but you know, people aren't talking about that. They're still talking yeah. about this Captain America. See, that's what I mean. It's this Sorry, reaction but, but me, is inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, but but you know, let me finish my thought process on this. You know, people sure. are saying this is a desecration to Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, who were Jewish, and uh, obviously they did create Captain America to. Uh, to punch Hitler, you know? <laughs> of course. Um, and then very soon, that, you know, this kind of offended me a little bit because as someone who, you know, you know, I was actually arguing with people about, you know, would Jack Kirby do this? And, you know, would Stan, well, Stan and Jack do it? I said, well, Stan would do it in five seconds. You know, would Jack do it? And then, of course, a story from 1965 written by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby where Cap not only uh, is mind controlled, all right, it was mind controlled, it was only eight pages, he is shown saluting Adolf Hitler, okay? <laughs> so obviously, it was a simpler time, Jack Kirby <laughs> certainly was entitled to draw Captain America saluting Hitler. You know, this is not the first time Cap's been evil, this is the first time Cap's joined Hydra. The story has happened many, many times, and it's like if you are really trying to draw some sort of ethical line or moral line at how we treat evil and how these characters react to evil, it's like, yeah, I agree. Don't even have Hydra in there at all. Any kind of analog to Nazism that isn't actually dealing with the real-world effects of this is offensive. Yeah, okay. but then, of course, if, if we did that, we wouldn't have comics. Yeah. But, yeah, well, anyway, Kate, I'm sorry. I, okay, I'm just waiting. I'm more. waiting. I don't yes, want to interrupt yes, you, yes. but uh, I, right. I know that, that you rant. want my opinion. That was my, that was my rant on that part of it, because this is, uh, I'll just throw this in. This has led to a huge, this lasted over a three-day holiday weekend, and it's led yeah. to a huge discussion all over the internet about fan entitlement. So, you know, we can yeah. move into that a little bit. But but anyway, Kate, yeah, I'd like to hear, you know, your thoughts on it. So Okay. Well, part of it, I think, is the cultural context around it, one of which is that um, a lot of people have come into comics through the movies, have emotionally attached to Captain America through the movies, as Marvel wanted them to do. And in the movies, the Hydra and Nazis are pretty much the same, and or, yeah, pretty much the same, have, have been a kind of a clear link. It's not so much in the comics where, you know, we see they become these totally different things and so on and so forth. The connection is much tighter in the movies. And also, at the same time, Captain America has been even more than in the comics, been put forth as, like, the moral arbiter of all that is good. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are specifically attached to the idea of Captain America's virtue. And you may say, oh, well, these plot twists have happened before 40 years ago, but that does not change people's reaction to the story now. And um, so, you know, I think a lot of people feel that using specifically Captain America with specifically his uh, World War II history as Hydra is a particularly cheap and offensive plot twist. Um, I, I see where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, so that, that gets blood boiling. Okay. And so now furthermore, what? unlike in the era of Jack Kirby, it's not like at the beginning of the issue, it's like, is Cap a Nazi? And by the end of the issue, the answer is no. Um, uh, it's but like. But you know what, that, uh, that, wait, I got to throw that, 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 that 
um, demarcation does not hold water now because the comics industry is a fundamentally different place in how we read our stories now. In 1965, we read eight-page stories. Now we read eight-issue stories. And, you know, what if on the last page of the story, Cap is confronting this cosmic or whatever. She's like, you know, Cap, we made you evil just to destroy your image as the greatest person of America, you know. Well, what I'm as, saying, as I'm saying is, that, is that when you stretch a shocking plot twist over like eight issues or whatever that gives outrage and upsetness and so on. Uh, especially when Marvel is, of course, doing her usual kayfabe thing of, oh, no, it's real. We swear it's real. Whatever, dude. Um, <laughs> more time to brew. Like, right. they, okay. they are... But you know what? Are, it gives more time for I get to say to something happen. at some point. Yes, go, go ahead. <laughs> and all I'm going to say is this, that, you know, look, uh, and, and you'll probably want, both want to punch me for this. I, I think you're both right. I mean, I do think that, look, I'm backing away from my outrage uh, only because, you know, the context of all the other discussion has put my, you know, blood. I think I said something like, you know, I, um, you know every time I think, you know, I don't care about this, this superhero bullshit. Uh, you know, something like this comes along that makes my blood boil. Um, but I backed off a little bit. I look, I don't think uh, it's wrong in any way for people to react and people to overreact to, yes, uh, uh, what happens to certain characters. Uh, these characters mean things to us that we, very often we don't even realize ourselves until we see this kinds of stuff. Um, that said, I think there's also nothing wrong with reacting to the reactions. Some right. things go too far. And and I think um, I think we have every right also to like point them out that calm down a little bit. It's okay to be like upset, but let's remember uh, this is fictional. It's plot, and actually uh, there are way we, we can compare this to other things that have happened in the past. Right. Okay. But let me, instead, let me, let me, we're let me. the age of the internet, and we have much longer issues. The volume is going to be louder right. and How more. More yes, and now let's let's let me point this out. So you know, let me segue from this. Uh, I think <laughs> what has gotten like the second wave of outrage going is the number of comics professionals, be they professional journalists or professional comic creators, being upset that fans are upset, and all and like bundling this whole thing into like, oh, fans are so entitled. Uh, like for example, one article on birth, movies, death. Uh, saying that, you know, fans are wrong to to treat comics like a commodity and they should respect the artist's vision and stuff. But that leaves aside the fact that at this point, comics kind of are a commodity. Like the, the, the curtain has been drawn back and we all know they're owned by Disney. So for people to direct some of their ire toward the parent company is reasonable right but, and but the ire... i think a lot of people i mean yes yes you should never send people death threats right but because let me just say before before you continue with this because this is exactly what i was going to say okay you know this has gone to i was going to point out i was about 10 years ago when ed brubaker was writing captain america and captain america died and guess what there was a lot of hue and cry and people were really upset that captain america was dead how could this symbol of america be dead this is awful you know and then in another issue of captain america uh <laughs> there was an accidentally an actual tea party 
uh, real from the real world. There was a Tea Party sign that was in this you know group of protesters that were shown that Cap wasn't really in favor of them. Uh, and there was a hue and cry on Fox News. On Fox News, they covered this. And how could Cap be made to turn against real, you know, liber, liberal, you know, freedom fighters and all this? And Ed Brubaker, the writer at the time, got death threats. And, uh, you know, that this goes back. Death threats go all the way back to Simon and Kirby. Uh, death threats. When I worked at D.C., Kevin Dooley got death threats for uh, Green Lantern. Uh, Hal Jordan not being Green Lantern. You know, Tom Brevoort got a really disgusting death threat, okay? And now I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, well, so what? So men are getting death threats. Well, welcome to my world. And, you know, listen, I don't think it's right. I just don't no, think I don't death either. threats no, are that's ever my right. Point. And, but you, right. We, there's it, reactions to the reactions are very right. often justified. And also, you know, this is, you know, Kate, I understand what you're saying about uh, comics pros reacting to the reactions, okay? And then fans and readers and critics reacting to the reactions to the reactions. You know, now we're in this endless <laughs> feedback loop that's become incredibly hostile. I, you know, I gotta say, I am coming at this for as someone who has seen it from the inside. I am part of that commodity factory. You know, I was there. I saw it from the inside. And uh, I have always seen, you know, the rabid fan base is always something that you have to be very careful of, okay, as a creator. And in the internet era, it is very, the lines, as you just said, you know, comics are a commodity now. And the, the, they the, always have been. If they, but they always have been. But the sense of entitlement, the sense of fan entitlement about owning these is now become so blurred, okay? It's like, who does own, who does own these characters? I, I, I agree. Also, I, I agree. Also, you know, Marvel is giving the fans what they want. They want change. They want controversy. They want stuff to complain about. They're playing the fiddle. They're playing you like a fiddle. I don't think Tom Brevoort thought he was going to get death threats uh, or a death threat. We only know he got a death threat, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been surprised, you know? But I think it's really, I just see, and I agree, the level of hostility that we're having on this podcast just shows this is the real civil war. Yeah. Well, okay. So now I'm going to. I'm Cap. Uh, no, Kate's Cap, and I'm Tony Stark. Okay. I, 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 and I thought I'm you not, were my not, friend. This is nothing personal, Heidi. But um, I think part of it is that I think, one, I do think this will be one of the. Things that sets fandom off that will be remembered. I think this is going to be right there with Clone Saga and one of those things that'll be on some listicle in 10 years being like, top 10 stupidest things Marvel ever did. Um, right, I, I agree. I and, do agree with that. Probably, um, yeah. Like, personally, like, am I, like, so wildly offended? No. But I kind of think that this is not the kind of outrage they were shooting for. I think they were shooting for the kind of outrage that came with, like, Civil War or something, where people bought a lot of it. But, personally, my suspicion is that it's not going to sell. Because there's a certain kind of controversial storyline that makes people want to buy it. And my instinct, and from what I've just seen from comics fans, is I kind of think this is the kind of one that's going to be a dud. And it's not going to help sales. That's just me. Um, but I think part of it is that Creators, creators get a lot of them. I mean, obviously, death threats never okay. I am not endorsing death threats; they are bad. Yeah, uh, let me just say, every no, that nobody responsible on the internet. Every there's been a lot of outcry about them, but I, I did. But there has also been a lot of poo-pooing them 
because they they happen yes. to men. Okay, yes, and I, I, I that, that I I don't like that. I, I just don't like that. I I agree with you. Well, Heidi. they're not good for anybody. No, no one, regardless of gender, should be getting death threats. Death threats are bad. I am right there with you on it. But I think the whole "oh, fans are so entitled" thing ignores two things. One, um, that the comic industry is designed to, in order to keep you buying week after week after week after week is specifically built many different ways to try to get highly emotional reactions from fans. Yes. It, it is supposed to be like emotional crack. And so I think it is naive of comic creators to put out this kind of storyline and then to, to feel fans are entitled or are, are bad people if they get or are somehow not respecting them artistically if they get very, very upset about storylines that were designed to be very, very upsetting. Like, you know, you you kick a dog, the dog will bite you. It's it it's it's just the way the industry is built. Right. And um and of course, but you know, especially there's a generational thing and a gender thing going on. Right. Because ninety percent of the time when you hear whining about uh, entitled fans, it is a man over 38 complaining about a woman under 35. Look, I, uh, Kate, well, I, gotta I don't know about you, that. That's I, not I, mean, I could be happy. I, 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 I don't because, know if that's the case at all. But, yeah. but look, there's a lot of fans. Fans are supposed to react. Creators and publishers are reacting a little bit to the fact that fans have more power. Fans have always been emotional and reacted, but they've never had as much power and much impact as they've had I, thanks to the Internet today. I, the ability now for, for fans to directly engage uh, creators uh, and to tell them uh, what they like, what they don't like, and tell them in no uncertain terms, it's really uh, um, uh, incredible. Almost a direct line. This wasn't the case. I mean, you could send a letter back in the day. But uh, now, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's helped comics. But there are excesses. And yes, and some of this because, yes, you, you're trained to be emotional, and then you are. Obviously, there are socially unacceptable things to say to other human beings. And a comic book is certainly no excuse to transgress that. I, would, I am right there with you. But there's a certain poo-pooing of fan opinions simply because they're fans. And no, I don't think it's because they're fans. It's not because they're fans. No, it's awesome, but it's, it's also not, it's because they're fans who are are disagreeing with what a creator wants. And when you know people get you know it gets emotional on both sides. People, people yes, and that's what we're saying. Work. People don't like to see their work criticized. It's understandable. It's it's all very human. Um, but I do think that sometimes. You know, I, this is the other thing that I, I again, you know, I, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter. This has almost made me get off Twitter, okay? And I never yes. thought I'd say that. But, but it, you know, I, I, you know, you were way ahead of me on that, Kate. But, you know, I see this endless feedback loop. And, you know, it's just trying to say, yeah. say you know, like a bad thing happened, okay? A bad thing happened to the storyline. Then a worse thing happened when a death threat was made. And you know what? Comics pros, hey, most of them are male. Let's be honest. Most of them are mm-hmm. white, cis, hep males, okay? Mm-hmm. They reacted uh, you know, they were upset by this, okay? Then they saw fans 
poo-pooing those death threats, you know, and saying, oh, I can't believe how smug these, these comics pros are being. So, you know, you already have this bunker mentality, uh, you know, and a little bit of it's going on both sides. You know, absolutely. Sure. There's, there has become this Twitter bunker mentality that has become very, very divisive. And, you know, this is ongoing even as we're talking about this. You know, by the time you guys are listening to this, it's not going to be over. But I think this okay. is this is the fight of our times. Well, and that's why we're so excited about it. I think part of the problem is that is almost maybe too much engagement. That there's a certain time when a creator needs to maybe get off Twitter for a couple of days. Yes. Like, you I, know, with us. maybe just, just not stay in this feedback loop. Maybe just take this time to step back. But fans, but fans should do that too. Well, but the thing is that the fans I are professionals. I, Look... Like you, you professionally publish something, fans get mad. Um, you write shocking twists, people get mad. Like it's it's a really good time to get off the internet if if you're not happy with what's going on there. Yeah, and you know what? If a fan, and if a fan is not happy, the fan should also take a break. It's a beautiful summertime. Go to a barbecue. That's what uh, I do. You know, have a and glass I have of to wine. say, good luck on all of that happening. Well, uh, but, but you know, yeah. in a way, in a way, it will happen. Well. It, what's going to happen, I predict this, I could be wrong, is three issues in, there will be people who in the back of their mind feel better about this, but have moved on with their lives and are not reading Captain America anymore. And then Marvel will go, gosh, where did our readers go? And so, Well, I, I, I think it's more likely that people will move on from these, this discussion than they will yeah. from the comic. Well, you know what? I think, I think, I think they're going to move on from the comic until the storyline's over and then they'll come back. I think back. there's yeah. a lot more to come on all this. And you know what? Absolutely. Let's move down to things that everyone can agree on, like how yes. everybody loves Louise Simonson. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do. Everyone well, except yes. for the people creating the credits for the current yeah. X-Men movie. Yeah, well, there was a, a terrific profile of her in uh, Vulture that it talked about her uh, creating the character, I mean, with X-Men Apocalypse out this weekend, which I have not seen. Uh, um, uh, have either of you seen it? Yes, I saw it. Yeah. I am looking yeah. forward to it, but I am currently in Cape May. It was, uh, you know, it, it, I felt I literally was falling asleep during the first hour. I mean, okay. literally nodding off with uh, w- while Michael Fassbender was on screen. So that's pretty dire. Uh, but that last half hour was a pretty good fight. Okay. <laughs> that's what we look forward to, these superhero flicks. <laughs> okay. uh, well, one looks for other things, too, but a good fight is nice. All right. But, uh, you know, she created the character, um, obviously, uh, is a uh, you know, pioneering woman comics writer, uh, highly regarded. Um, uh, seems like she should have got a credits, but I think this is a complicated uh, deal now. I mean, she apparently does get some compensation, even if she doesn't get credits. Yes. Well, I mean, it's so. nice that she got compensation, but I wish she would get credit, too. Yeah. yeah, but I, you know, I, I would like to, uh, you know, this is an amid all this acrimony uh, that was going been going on online this week. Uh, you know, this profile came out in Vulture magazine uh, of of Louise Simonson. You know, she is one of the nicest people in comics, along with her husband Walt, just two of the nicest people. And uh, you know, not only did she create Apocalypse, she created co- co-created Cable, she co-created Power Pack, she edited the greatest issues of the early X-Men that, you know, uh, laid the foundations for all this stuff. Um, she wrote one of the Death of Superman books, and, and that is just scratching the surface of mm-hmm. her career. You know, she is truly one of the most significant writers of, you know, the last 40, 50 years of comics. Yes. And, you know... It's really, I, I, everybody's always like, oh, you know, it's great that there's women in comics now. You know what? There have been women in comics. And I think it was really sure. cathartic for a lot of people to be able to say, you know what? Louise Simonson is 
is an icon, and and she is. She really is. She's she's one of the greats. I think so. She is. And uh, so right. actually, we all actually, dear readers, uh, we have a short interview from Louise Simonson from last year's New York Comic Con. All right. And uh, we will be linking that, and you can hear it. All right. Yeah. Very Terrific. good. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we're on the now, case here. Yes, and now another thing that just about everybody loves. Uh, you know, we've been talking. We haven't even talked about. You know, maybe next time we'll talk about how Marvel is also recycling with their relaunches because they they did Marvel now, then they did all new Marvel now, and then they did all new, all different Marvel. And now this fall, it turns out they're doing Marvel now again. Ah, so it's but this Marvel. This has right. an exclamation mark. Marvel it right is now, now. Marvel now exclamation mark. Yes, you're right, and there is it is an infinitely renewable. Um, uh, but another uh, thing that that uh, didn't get reborn or rebirth in fact it ended uh just uh, as we're recording this is hellboy mike mignola's long-running and much-loved series uh the 10th issue of hellboy in hell just came out today and it's a really beautiful uh you know it's drawn by mike mignola and colored by dave stewart so what else could it be sounds beautiful uh, yeah uh you know wrap up of that whole storyline in which hellboy died and uh went to hell and hell paid the price uh and um you know mignola's been talking about he's actually not going to be drawing you know this is hellboy will be back in some shape or form and dc sure. and dark horse is continuing to publish early early adventures of, of hellboy by other people but manuela is going to go off and do some watercolors for a while and explore his art you know and enjoy some me time yeah. i guess and uh you know i mean guess what it's it's good this is a good thing it's all yeah. good a good yeah. comic a good yeah. creator peaceful time yeah, absolutely. i like it and uh, let me uh, and that being reading comics for a long time has made me appreciate like a good ending. You know, uh, I mean, once upon a time, your little fan, you're like, I never want anything to fa- to end. But after you've seen a certain number of things spin off into zombie properties, at a certain point, you're like, no, a really good ending is a beautiful thing. Right. That's right. And on a more mundane topic, um, just very quickly, um, what's with last week? Uh, Comicsology, uh, the um, uh, Amazon's uh, digital comics marketplace. Uh, Launched Comixology Unlimited, uh, a new subscription service. Um, there was sort of rumors; people were sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, com- you know, subscription. The subscription business model uh, has been very prominent over the last year and a half, two years. Uh, it's in a little shaky waters now. Uh, comics subscription services are out there. Scribd has one; has about ten thousand uh, comics on its you know, ten thousand comics and graphic novels. Though it's primarily primarily for prose books. Um, yeah, Archie Unlimited uh, launched with uh, eight ninety nine a month. Uh, thousands of comics. We all know about Marvel Unlimited, and uh, I think a small service that I think will be affected the most by this, Comic Blitz. Yes, which offers about three thousand comics for nine ninety nine a month. But Comicsology Unlimited uh, has thousands of comics, uh, and I, I interviewed David Steinberger. He, he he really couldn't give me a more specific number. Mm. Uh, other than that, they would be adding titles. They would be adding publishers. Uh, you have unlimited access to a limited selection. Unlimited, uh, limited. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's an unlimited That's limited it. number. Yeah. Okay. For instance, uh, there is manga. There is. Uh, um, there are some volumes from Attack on Titan, but no, there is not the entire series. Uh, there are various, uh, you know, sagas in there, but not the entire series. Lumberjanes is in there. Uh, they see it initially as really a sampling service. They see they they see it as a way to spread comics, to grow comics readership. Uh, I think that um, I think that we will probably see more comics on it. 
uh, as it begins to generate revenue. So we'll have to revisit this and see what's up. I don't I really don't believe in an era of, you know, all you can uh, see, eat, read um, the subscription services are going to go away necessarily for comics. Yeah, uh, I will say that Unlimited does seem like a misnomer because while it's great as a sampling service, there's definitely, like, you read Volume 1 and it's like, oh, you have to buy the rest. Um, So I feel like Unlimited is kind of a bit of a tease name-wise. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how their selection expands. Um, We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. more to come. Definitely more to come. And now, the briefs. So... Those of you who wondered, are comics a commodity? <laughs> well, in one very specific case, they are. Marvel is coming out with the Sum Sum One Shot. Yes, if you haven't heard of One Shot Sum Sums, <laughs> they are a Japanese fad toy that are these little oblong plushies that sort of is like your, your favorite character were a toy hamster. But you can stack them also, you, by the you, way. They're, you, they're space saver. You, you can stack them. If, you're, if your favorite character were a stackable hamster, I suppose. Um, but if you love Sum Sums, there's a special comic, a special one-shot with a Chris Samney cover coming out in August, which will uh, feature Sum Sums of your favorite Marvel characters being heroic. And then special Sum Sum variant covers, because, of course, we needed that. Um, it's certainly a little amusing. There was one with a giant uh, Spider-Man sum-sum conking actual Spider-Man on the head and Spider-Man going, question mark, exclamation mark. Um, coming to a comic store near you in August. Okay, now on more newsy news and a less <laughs> uh, a less lighthearted thing, uh, Emerald City Comic Con has found itself in a labor lawsuit because... Many conventions, typically the quote-unquote non-professional conventions, um, are run and staffed by volunteers. Emerald City Comic Con, before it was owned by uh, Reed Exhibitions, uh, did use unpaid volunteer labor. Uh-oh. Yeah. And um, apparently there was some question as to whether this was really a legitimate use of said labor or whether, in fact, profits were being made, making volunteers inappropriate. And so now there is a lawsuit uh, for back pay for volunteers from previous two years, not this past year, where they got paid. Um, It certainly raises a lot of interesting questions about how conventions are run and in which convention cases is it appropriate to not pay people. Right. Because there are certainly many conventions, like Dragon Con, are specifically fan-run nonprofits. And yeah, there I, are others that are not. Yeah, and I, I you know, that's really, like, in, in uh, Washington State, there's uh, a lot of, uh, you know, labor laws about this kind of thing. And, you know, Reed Pop does pay uh, its volunteers. They do pay their volunteers. Yeah, they were paying their volunteers, so... Uh, you I know. wonder if this lawsuit came about because people got paid and suddenly went, wait, we should get paid for this? Well, there's, there's, uh, I think there's probably a lot more beneath the surface with all of this because um, of some things that I can't really put my finger on right now. But, um, yeah. yeah, so interesting. Well, I mean, but, but, yes, but you know, speaking of, these... of not getting, speaking of not getting paid, there was another mm. incident this week about, uh, about a, a convention called, um, 
Space City Comics and uh, Comic Con in Houston, where they had a Sons of Anarchy TV show reunion, and and uh, the the cast, which included Ron Perlman and Charlie Hunnam, uh, showed up at their hotel, and their, the hotel is like, oh, you know, this credit card that your rooms are put on bounced, so uh, you know, and then they went to cast their checks. And the checks bounced, and so uh, and Charlie, uh, you know, whose name I don't know how to pronounce, got very upset and like stalked off, and you know, and then he might, and then he might, and then you know what? Fans were really upset at him. They were like, you know, uh, you know, how could he do that to us? How could he abandon us like that? I flew in from Australia to see him, and uh, you know what? I'm not. I can't even parse that one. You know, they should be mad at the comics, the organizer who. Yeah, I don't. You know, this is. I mean, Uh, this level of screw up has not been seen since freaking DashCon. Yeah, right. And dear yeah. listeners, if you don't know what DashCon is, Google it. You as well as the know. words, more time in the ball pit, you will yeah. I mean, it seems that the organizers should be the ones that the fans should be the focusing on. The organizers are completely to blame. I mean, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is shameful. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, well, and, then, anyway. and then the organizers attempted to pretend it was not at all their fault and said something about, oh, uh, we are having trouble because of the weather. Yeah, well, you know, I talked to some of my friends who were at the show because they had like Valiant was there. They had um, you know some major, pretty well known exhibitors there. I mean, this was not a fly by night show at all. And uh, you know, I, I, I all I know is that there were a lot of cops there on t- uh, on Sunday, and uh, you know, it's a, a definitely a debacle. So when yeah. a con is crap, <laughs> yeah, crap, crap con. Well, <laughs> I, we have two more briefs. Okay, one well, is that. There actually will be a Doc Savage movie. Uh, We all wondered. It sounded kind of like, is this happening? It is happening. And it has cast The Rock as Doc Savage. So coming to a theater near you. It could be worse, I guess. Well, you know, Doc Savage was always described in the comics as the man of bronze and having bronze colored skin. There you go. So, I mean, clearly you need to cast a man. He's a bronze dude. Who's bronze? Skin, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's literally bronze. Yeah, right. so. he's metallic, man. He's a rock. Yes. <laughs> ah, perfect casting. What are you gonna do? Uh, and um, Suicide Squad. Sadly, we'll be leaving television because Suicide Squad is coming to the movies. Um, you know, if if you loved your uh, DC television uh, Suicide Squad, uh, enjoy it while it lasts. It will not last for long. Right. That's breaks. All must end. Yes. Vanity of vanities. But not where comics news is concerned, because there's always going to be. More. To. Come. 